If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. We're here. We're going to do a uh, a first half recap show. Isaac, how's it going, man? Man, good, man. I uh, just got done watching the All-Star game. Uh, Team LeBron won all four quarters, man. You think they would have would have let uh, let team team Durant win one, man, to get a little money for their charity. But um, team 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 LeBron really really kind of put it on them and kind of dominated the game, man. It's been a been a long day, man. But I'm ready to talk some grits. Yeah, yep. I'm I enjoy the uh, the All Star Weekend, like what what they do the the skills challenges and stuff like that. But the game is just not. Uh, I can't remember the last time I actually watched an All Star game and was legitimately interested in it at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when when it doesn't have Grizzly players in it, I'm not just majorly interested in it. There were certain points of it that I kind of, kind of, kind of locked in on. But for the for the most part, I think it's probably the weakest part of the All Star weekend. I look forward to the the other events more than I look forward to the All Star game itself. And I think that's probably most people's opinion at this point. Yep, I agree with you. Before we jump into uh, the midseason stuff, I want to uh, Mike Conley. Finally gets the uh, the all star yeah, man. man. That's a. Uh, I remember like I, I was sitting here and I I got a a notification on Twitter and I'm like okay, so I jump on there and I look and I'm like oh man holy crap and then once I realized it was legit I was like okay all right man that's uh, that's great and then he almost messed around and won the three point contest that would have been God. incredible. God man, I, I wanted him to win that so bad for because. I'm sure he never thought that he would probably even be in a three-point contest, let alone win one, and how special that would have been to be a replacement. Guy to just kind of get thrown in that thing and end up winning it, man. One point away, man. Steph had to hit that money ball at the end, man. He knocked it down, man. I really, really wanted Mike to win that. I think that would have been really special for him. But, yeah, man, I, I think it kind of shows how beloved that, that core, that the great grind ever was for, for in here at Memphis for there to be that much love for – Mike Conley, a guy that's been gone for a couple of years now, to to have that kind of love still in the city. I think people in Memphis were just excited, if not even more, than they were in Utah. And I think it's great to see, man. He, he's always going to be beloved here. And I'm finally glad he got that nod. I think this might have been his last chance. He got Utah, best team in the league, and initially still didn't get picked. I'm like, when would he ever get picked now? And, I mean, it was 14 year in the league uh, to, to finally get that nod, man. It was it was great to see for him, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, for sure, 100%. All right, man. So this is how we're going to do it. The mid-season, the first half breakdown. 
We're gonna do some midseason awards. We're gonna do uh MVP, defensive player of the year, most improved, sixth man, the most surprising and most disappointing. And I know the most disappointing, I kind of saw your take on that a little bit. I, I have something to talk about in that area, but I know that's something that you kind of shied away from. So if you don't have anything in particular with that, that's cool too. You know, we'll we'll just kind of roll with it. I'll let you lead off. Which which category do you want to start with, man? Oh, because I was starting to stop and start with with MVP, which is one. I think that if we had talked about this before the season, I don't think uh, my pick here. I'm we probably have the same pick would even be on the radar uh, for for this award. And I, I kind of put this out on Twitter the other day, kind of put out my guys, and I still got some comments where I said, "Well, John Morant is is the MVP of this team," blah, blah, and I understand that. I mean, he's the best player on this team. Uh, numbers are the best, but I think if you look at this season, the fact that they're 16 and 16, and, and you go back from from game one, and and, and when and then when Job went out with the injury, I don't even know want to know where this team would be if it wasn't for for slow mo Kyle Anderson. I mean, just a fantastic year uh, for him so far. I mean, you just look at his numbers; it's almost double his numbers on the uh, in points, 13 points per game, uh, averaging six rebounds, and I think the biggest thing uh, is the three point shooting, 38 uh, percent on the season on almost four attempts. I think the highest attempts he ever had in his career was one attempt last year at like, uh, I don't know, 28% or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. really, really transformed his game. has been a revelation for this team and kind of carried this team. Um, they put him on the ball when Jaw was out, and uh, he, he was really a leader and really stepped up, had some big games, um, especially in the wins that they had when Jaw was out. And if it wasn't for him, I think this team probably would have completely fallen apart. And that's saying a lot for – him being a player, the kind of role player that he was coming into the season. So my MVP is Kyle Anderson. I think he has meant everything to this team so far this season. And I think he's one of the main reasons why they're at this break at 16 and 16. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, when, when you talk about MVP, are, are we saying that we think Kyle Anderson is better than Ja Morant? No, no. Like we, we know that we're, we're aware of that. Kyle is my MVP as well. He, he has career highs this year in field goal attempts, field goal makes, three-point attempts, three-pointers three made. His three-pointers made is over three times more than his career high previously. Free throw attempts, free throws made, rebounds, assists, and points. So all of those categories, he's doing all of that, and he's still taking care of the ball. He He's averaged, over the last three years, he's averaged 1.2 turnovers, with a higher usage rate, higher attempts, higher everything that he's doing this year is at a higher level than he's ever done it before, and he's still taking care of the ball. He's at one point five turnovers. So for a guy that goes from you know being a fairly low usage player to what he has been and what he's meant to this roster this year, he's still taking care of the ball, and that's huge. A lot of times you see a guy go up in usage, and you see that turnover number start skyrocketing yeah and uh and it did not happen with him i i think that you know you can make an argument for john ja morant on, uh, as far as mvp but when you really look at it with what kyle does on both sides of the ball i think that it's it's easy to give this award to kyle yeah and i, and I was one of the biggest kyle anderson believers and i didn't see any of this coming i mean i thought he would had a role on his team and he Play a, play a factor, but I don't think any of us saw this coming. And it's kind of a shame the the lack of pub he's getting for most improved player. I think he should be right there at the top. And you see these top ten lists, and he's not even on it, which is insanity. It just shows how much 
people tune out, don't pay attention to to the Grizzlies market, and some of some man. small market teams. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of ridiculous. It's I, I get that. So his numbers are not as impressive as a Jeremy Grant. Well, you know, like what he's doing in Detroit, his points per game. All I get all of that, but most improved is not necessarily the highest stat. High stat to, yeah. to, you know, Jeremy Grant was a good basketball. He was already a good basketball. In, in yeah. Like we knew that nobody, I, I will, I'd be willing to bet you anything that somebody wanted to bet that there was not a single person, single analyst or anything that predicted that Kyle Anderson would be as good as he has been this year. No, there's no way. Again, like I said, I'm one of his biggest supporters and, and just kind of look at him as a guy that, that does things that might not necessarily show up in the stat sheet. And that hasn't been the case this year. He, He's throwing up in the stat sheet in a big way, man, across the board. Again, like he just kind of laid those numbers out, much higher usage than he's had over the, the past. I mean, he's just been an all-around fantastic player uh, for this team. And, again, if if people were paying attention and saw the impact that he had, especially when John was out, I think they they give him a lot more credit. But you just just comes with the territory when you're, when you're a small market team. You know those kind of things going to happen. We've kind of talked about that on here, uh, about him not giving the pub, and you just kind of, again, see these lists. He's not even the top ten, and I just there's no way that he shouldn't be in the top ten. I, I just I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, you know Memphis back to to getting no love. You know, you, you get Jaws getting some national publicity, but outside of that, there there's not much, not much for the Grizzlies. All right, man, you got anything else on Kyle before we move on to defensive player here? No, man, I think that that's it. All right, so for me, Defensive Player of the Year right now for the Grizzlies, I'm giving it to DeAnthony Melton. Uh, he has a team-best defensive rating at 104.2. Among guys that have played at least 20 games and they're averaging 20-plus minutes, and I know like that seems kind of narrowed down. I've done that on purpose because a guy that's only on the floor for four or five minutes, it's easy to inflate your numbers. So this these – like the 20 games played at least 20 games and they're averaging at least 20 minutes played. DeAnthony Melton is 11th in the NBA in defensive rating. Wow. So, you know, I don't necessarily like there, there's arguments to be made about who is the best defensive player on this team. Kyle is another guy that you could definitely have in that conversation. And Dylan, to me, I think Dylan is the best defender, but this year, you know, DeAnthony Melton has just been so disruptive Man, you know, anytime and it, he's taking it in stride. He got a, a did not play coach's decision early in the year out of nowhere for whatever reason. And, you know, he's still out here hustling and doing all the, the little extra things that you need from a guy that's coming in off the bench to, to provide that spark. So it was it was pretty easy for me. The only the only person on the Grizzlies that has a better defensive rating than Melton right now is Justice Winslow. And that's obviously it's a small, small sample size. size. Yeah. 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 My man delving deep into the stats, man. Got me maybe maybe thinking about changing my pick. But uh, I'm going to go with Dylan Brooks. And that's kind of more of the, the eye test uh, because he's just been, been a guy before Justice Winslow. Of course, small sample size like we just talked about. He's kind of been that guy that you put on the opposing team's best player. Um, and I think he doesn't get the credit this time. When you kind of look into look into his numbers, like if you delve deep into of his numbers, I'm sure definitely not good as Melton's. I think they're, I, I think they don't show up as good as, like I said, from the eye test. I think it looks better than what his numbers will tell you. But I mean, I think he's done a fantastic job 
uh, for, for this team uh, to, again, to even bigger guys. Like when they play the Lakers, he, you put him on LeBron and he, he's getting mm-hmm. some time on Giannis and you just see him guarding these bigger guys. And I think he's done a fantastic job for this team uh, one-on-one defense, uh, especially when he can stay out of foul trouble. But I, I think he's, I mean, you just seen him do a good Bradley Bills, another guy that, that he's guarded some. Um, you just see him do a good job uh, on these guys. And I think he's probably the best one-on-one defender on the team. Uh, so I'm going to have to go with him, but I, I agree with you on Melton. Melton would probably be my second pick. Yeah, and that's, you know, I, I love Dylan, and I agree with everything that you just said. You go back to the uh, the San Antonio series against DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan scored 20 points yeah, exactly. in two games. Did, didn't average. He, he scored 20 points in two games. And that was the majority of the time being guarded by Dylan Brooks. You know, the, the thing that drives me crazy is when you're when you're digging into these advanced stats like defensive rating, the one thing are, are not just one thing, there's multiple things, but the one big thing to me that is not taken into consideration into that stat, and that's why I think it's kind of a broken stat at times, is a, the caliber of player yeah. that they're guarding. And there's no way to gauge that. Like, you can't mathematically gauge, okay, you know, DeAnthony Melton is guarding, you know, P.J. Tucker and Dylan Brooks is guarding James Harden or whatever. You know, like, th- there's no way for them to, at this point, maybe there is, somebody smarter than me may, may be able to figure it out. But right now, there's no way for them to gauge, okay, this is a guy that's averaging 30 a game. And this guy over here that has a better defensive rating, he, his defensive rating is better because the guy that he's guarding is averaging eight points a game. Yeah. And that's, you know, like you say, night in and night out, Dylan Brooks is on the best player on the other team, including, you know, LeBron, Giannis, guys that are bigger than him, and he's up for the challenge. And that that's – I was leaning toward giving Dylan Brooks defensive player of the year, but I actually – I have him a little bit of a spoiler. I have him a little bit further down here um, in one of the other categories. So I wanted to kind of uh, spread the wealth. Yeah, and, and to go back to defensive rate, it's very similar to the plus minus. I mean, it, it can tell the story, but it can also some things you could look at that, like you just said, that it kind of skews the stat at times. But uh, it, it's very, very similar in that kind of vein where it can, it can be a good indicator. It can be good information, but it can also be skewed by other factors. All right, man. Moving on, defensive player of the year. Next is most improved. Hey, most improved. Yeah, <laughs> most improved, man. Got to go back to my guy slow mo, man. Kyle Aronson, and we kind of talked about how he's improved. I mean, the, the three point shooting is just remarkable uh, for a guy at that has been in the league as long as he has to just kind of transform his shooting. I mean, he's like automatic, especially from that that corner three. Um, I mean, you when he misses, you're surprised now, and I just never thought. I would say that when it came to Kyle Harrison shooting the basketball, but it's not pretty. Uh, it's, it's not not pretty, but but it's effective. If it goes in, man, I don't care how you get the thing out of your hands. Um, it, it, if it goes in, that's all all you got to worry about. But I um, mean, up thirty eight percent on almost four attempts, and again, I mean, before this season, last year, one attempt a game was the most he had. I mean, he didn't even shoot threes, um, and now he's yeah. shooting four a game and at thirty eight percent. I mean, it's just amazing to see his rebounding. I mean, his three point shooting and his usage rate is, is much higher. I mean, he's just really effective player. Um, and it's been a good starter for this team. And I mean, his, his game is just taken to another level. It's been fun to watch. And I think very important. Again, we talked about the, during the time when John was out, what he brought for this team. And I think it's no question that he's the most improved player on this team. 
Yeah, you know, previously when he was his his shot mechanics just looked weird and not like it, the form was not awful or anything, but he had like a weird hitch in the yeah. top of his shot. I think it might have been the shoulder problems that he's had. I think he's just kind of done different things. I think he went with a shot doctor and they've done different things to it. I think they kind of kind of because I mean he was a better shooter I think in college than he had been in the NBA and I think that he had some shoulder issues. I think that might have kind of attributed to his form a little bit. Yeah. And you don't see that hitch this year. The hitch is not there, and so it's it's definitely uh, looked a ton better. And again, you know, I I didn't go with Kyle here, and it, and it wasn't because he's not the you know most improved. But you know, I've got Kyle at the MVP. So for me, most improved. I, yeah, I I gave it to Dylan Brooks, okay. and the reason I gave it to Dylan there there are a number of reasons actually. Um, career high in assist, and and it's not that high is it like 2.7 this year for for assist which is not a big number but one of the things that you see people talking about with dylan is a tunnel vision our hero ball and he has been making passes this year that he wouldn't have been making in previous years he he's really you know he's taking the coaching he's taking the criticism and and he's working on it and you can see it translating in his game he, career high and assist, steals and blocks per game. We already knew that he was a good defender. He's working harder on the defensive end. But here's the thing that I I would not have guessed. He's an overall net positive on the year. I that's a it's a career high for him. And as I was digging into the stats, I was like, yeah, oh, crap. Uh, yeah, I, I would have thought know, that. Yeah, and, and, I mean it's not huge. It's like two two point three two point four positive, but it's still he, he's a net positive, and he's also at a, at a higher usage rate. And I think that that is something for me, I think Dylan would be at his best when he was, when he's not in a role that he has to be the creator. Yeah. You know, and and he's showing this year that he's, he's been able to do that a little bit more, but when, when you have all of the weapons, when you have everybody in this lineup healthy and he can be a guy that that's, you know, getting the ball off of a screen or something like that, you know, I, I remember back in the in the bubble, they were running uh, dribble handoffs like right at the right at the free throw line with him and JV, and he was just burying them. You know, like a 17, 18 foot jump shot coming off of a dribble handoff screen and just knocking it down. I'm like, man, that's his money right there. Like, run those plays for him all day. And when he can get back into that role, I think that you're going to see the percentages and the stuff that are lower for him this year, you're going to see that stuff come back up because he's had to take tougher shots. You know, you look at that stress when Ja wasn't on the floor and, you know, defense, it's like, all right, I'm stopping Dylan Brooks because somebody else is going to have to prove to me that they can beat me. And he, he was the guy. And so, you know, he's had different defensive looks, had a lot of stuff stacked against him and this season with all of the injuries and the, the stuff that he has done, with the vision and the passing and what seems to be working hard on the defensive end, you know, it's to me, that's why I have him down as uh, most improved. And that's, you know, again, you go back to when we were talking about Ja and Kyle, we don't think that Kyle's a better player. I do think that Kyle has improved as far as you look where he was last year and this year, the numbers are, are vastly different, but I like the growth that I see from Dylan. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at that pick at all. Um, I agree with everything you said there. I think, you, you, again, you definitely you see some passes that he makes this year. He's not definitely not forcing things as much as he did last year. I think his, his three-point shooting numbers are down, but I think that 
kind of, there's a lot of factors into that. Like you said, I think during the time when Ja was out, I think he felt like he he had to to create more offense with him being kind of kind of the, the guy that that on his team that could score. Um, and then he saw saw different defenses, and he, then again he's really streaky. You might see him one night he might go one or seven from three, and then the next night he might go three or four. Um, and he has these kind of streaky swings, and I think that kind of swings his numbers a, a lot, a skew lower. And I think he's a better shooter than what is he shooting thirty two percent. I think he's a better three point shooter than that. He's just kind of streaky, but I mean he he's been fantastic for this team. And, and like you said, I, I kind of agree. I agree with everything you said there. This uh, assist numbers are up. Uh, I think what is he at right now? Uh, close to three assists a game, and again, like you said, it's not a big number, but but you can just the eye test, you can just see growth from him. And he took coaching over the summer. Some of the criticism that fans and, and everybody were getting on him for over in the bubble, I think he's really taking that criticism and heed, and, and you can see the improvement in his game. Yep, yep, for sure, man. All right, six man. Uh, for me, I've, I've got Desmond Bain here. Uh, you know, he, he is kind of, you know, he's started some. The, most of his games have been off of the bench. He's shooting 44% from three. Just, I had a pretty high expectation for him coming into the season because of, you know, like doing the research pre-draft. And then to watch, like, he's coming out here, he's producing. And, and higher th- than what I expected. I would like to see him get more three-point attempts, obviously, but... You know, he's doing great for a guy that was drafted 30, 30th. Yeah. He's 10th in points per game. This is among rookies. 10th in, in points, 20th in rebounding, 16th in assist, 7th in field goal percentage. He's a leader in three-point percentage, and he's 10th in minutes played. You know, when when he is out there, and, and it's not just his shooting. You know, it's it seems like people want to pigeonhole him into, like, oh, he's just a shooter. And he's so much more than that, man. You know, his playmaking ability. And I, I never, this blows my mind. I, I was watching, and I don't watch the show or listen to it very much, but I saw it just like on Instagram at, at one point, and it was a clip from the Chris Vernon show. And Chris Vernon's, you know, when he had that one dunk where he was on the break and he, he drew it back and just tomahawked yeah. the crap out of it, Vernon was like, I was surprised. I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> he, he did it all the time at, at, at TCU, man. It just weren't yeah, paying attention. Yeah, like you, you didn't watch this kid play any college. Like you've not watched any video on him at all. And so that, that's why I've got him down as, as the the sixth man. And that's uh, you know, the, there's other guys that I considered here, um, but you know, it, it was this one was really really tough for me because I really there were a couple other ways that I could have went, and I just kind of settled on a. Once I started digging into to Bain's stats, that's the way I went. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to go with Desmond Bain as well. I think we were both a little bit higher on him than some people were coming into the draft. I think a lot of people had a lot of questions. Again, I just don't think they paid attention, and people have kind of pigeonholed him as just a shooter. And since he, he's come back, I mean, he hasn't really been shooting the basketball well from three. I mean, he's been a little off, but he's been doing other things to help this team. He's become a lot more aggressive driving to the basket. Um, I mean, he's making plays. I mean, I've seen him make some great passes here of late. I mean, he's more, much more of an all-around player than, than people give him credit for. And uh, that when he when, when that dunk happened, I, I agree. With, I saw a lot of people on Twitter like, I didn't know he could do that. And I'm like, man, he you you watched some some of his highlights at TCU, man. He had was catching lobs and everything, man. That's not new to him. He can do other things than just shoot the basketball. And I think a lot of people were surprised by that. But 
for I mean, it just goes to show you how great this this team is to get a guy like that at thirty. Uh, I mean, a guy who's average double dip figures already, and to kind of fit in because this team has a, a lot of decent, really good wing players. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to see him kind of come in and and force his way in to be able to get minutes like he has, I think I think it's really really good to see. Uh, like I said, ten points, shooting forty four percent from three uh, on four attempts per game. I mean, he's been fantastic, and I, and, I, and I think again to have a guy drafted like that at thirty to come in and be able to play major minutes for you like that, I think is fantastic. Yeah. You know, he, he's not producing at the level that you're going to, you know, he's going to be in the rookie of the year conversation at this point, but you know, that's okay. I, if he, if he gets, if he works his way up into that at the end of the year, I'm fine with it. If he doesn't, if he continues to produce the way that he's producing right now, like you, you get a guy that late in the first round and he's out here and he, he's, you know, contributing to a team that's com- competitive. Yeah, man, I- I'll take that all day long. And even you know, Tillman is another guy. You know, got him later, and he's out here doing good stuff as a rookie as well. All right. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I've been impressed by both of them for sure. Yeah, that that's um, man, I think it was I can't remember somebody tweeted out the other day, and they were basically breaking it down of you have to choose either Clark or Tillman. And you can get one piece of information. Yeah, I saw that. I can't remember who tweeted that. I, I saw that yeah. as well. And I'm like, oh man, that that's good. That's good. I, I mean, I thought about it for a long time, and I still I didn't really I didn't want to come up with an answer. I mean, that that's a good question. I don't, that's a tough one for sure. If you think it long term, that's a really tough mm-hmm. tough question because I mean, for Tillman to be producing like this already, I mean, you gotta kind of you gotta love that trajectory of where where he's headed. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, I think rim protection was a big thing. Somebody was uh, talking about rim protection with Tillman because he's undersized, but man, his footwork and he's got quick hands. He's shown early on that I think that he is going to be fine in that category. You know, there's obviously going to be some bigger guys that give him some issues, but overall, I think you're going to be fine with him out there at the five. Yeah. And I I like the fact that he can, he can stretch it out and even knock down a three at times. And I think that'll only improve as he, Works on it. If he could be a what is I think he's at twenty nine percent or something like that now. If he can get get that up to about thirty two, if he can knock down one a game, one one or two a game, I think that would be fantastic. And I think he has that type of ability. And I think that's kind of why I like him as a as a he's an undersized big, but again a guy that can stretch out and shoot the jumper a little bit and great footwork, like you said, and has pretty good hands. I mean, good vision. He's a good passer for a big man as well. Uh, so I, I love what what the trajectory he's on. And I think. He's going to be a good player, so that's a that's a really good question. Uh, a lot of people are kind of down on BC, even though his numbers are pretty much almost identical to what they were last year. But I think a lot of people thought he'd taken us a leap, and we haven't really seen that. But I'm not as down on him as some people seem to be right now. Yeah, and I don't ever want it to come down to it being between those two guys. No, but but if it has to be, the one thing for me, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but I'll, I'll do it. You know, we, we kind of jumped into it here. The one thing for me that I would want to see is exactly what you were talking about with Tillman is his three point shooting percentage. Yeah, because all things considered, you you have these two guys side by side. There's things that Brandon does better, and there's things that Tillman does better, and I think that. I don't know that Brandon will ever be physical enough to play the five and guard fives effectively in a, in the way that Tillman w- will. I think Tillman is a better defender and Tillman's a better passer playmaker. So to me, it's the three point shooting and it's not, you know, you don't need to, he doesn't have to knock down three or four a game at no. 40%, but 
if he's got his three-point percentage close to where Brandon Clark is, and I have to make a decision between those two, if I see Tillman's three-point percentage and it's somewhere around where Brandon's shooting right now, and it may be closer than what I think. I don't know. I don't have them pulled up here side by side. But, you know, if if Tillman is shooting 35% from three, then I'm taking him over Brandon. Yeah, I mean, his I mean, Tillman's defensive potential is off the charts. I mean, he's already really advanced for, for a rookie. And to get, to get him in the second round, man, it's just – Amazing the job that this front office has done climbing in. This front office has done, man, drafting. I mean, just to find a gym like that in the second round. This guy, I mean, he's coming in. I mean, he's playing minutes for this team, starting when they're doing injuries and doing a good job. I mean, he's made some great defensive plays on some great players uh, mm-hmm. this, this year. I mean, he, I'm super impressed with him, and I, I'm I'm glad to have him, man. I, I just, again, like you said, if, if their three-point shooting is about even, I think you kind of look at, his trajectory and, and, and everything that he brings to the table on the board. I mean, I think you might have to go with go with Tillman there, uh, because just because of his playmaking ability, his, his passing abilities, and and I, I don't think, like you said, Brandon is just more before. I don't think he'll ever be able to guard fives as well, because I think with Tillman being undersized, he he plays bigger than Brandon does um, yeah. as far as defensively, and I think that's something that you have to look at. Yep, one hundred percent. All right, man. Most surprising for you, man. I think that we we uh, right on the heels of this. I I, I put it out on Twitter. I, I think Xavier Tillman. Uh, I was I, I felt good about him coming in, but to get a guy in the second round where they got him to, for a guy to come in because early we did we I mean we didn't expect. I don't think a lot of people expected him to even get a lot of minutes this year. And then he just kind of they kind of started to work him in. They had some injuries there, and I mean he's become a. Uh, a really good player uh, for this team. Again, uh, his defense is really advanced. I mean, averaging seven points, five rebounds, two assists, which is good for for a big uh, for a big man. A steal, um, a game, almost a block. Uh, just tremendous defensive p- potential. Uh, has the ability to step out and knock down three a little bit. I've been really impressed with him, man. To, to again to have two rookies and him and Bain to, to come in on a competitive team and to play major minutes. I mean, you got them in in the game in important minutes. These aren't garbage time minutes these guys are playing these guys are in the game when the when when the, it's important um and for him you play the, to play this guy like this and depend on him at times i think it's big and so he's kind of my most surprised even though I, I thought that he would be decent coming in but i think he's even surpassed my expectations and uh, again he's really filled a big role for this team yeah i mean that, that's a solid pick man that's uh you know john chepkevich he um he's a gentleman i had on for the uh like when we were doing draft stuff last season and Tillman is a guy that he mentioned because of the history with Jaron Jackson and playmaking ability was a big thing and John said going into the draft that position base that Tillman may have been the best playmaker in the draft based off of position you know he said that he gets overlooked a lot um, just because of his size and, and people are concerned about the size going into the NBA with him being a five, but you know, like I really hadn't before the show with John, I hadn't looked at Tillman a whole lot. You know, we, Sam and I kind of looked at the list and, and guessed about where the Grizzlies would be picking. And so we were looking at guys in that range yeah. and he, he just wasn't one that we covered. And then after John said that, and I started watching film on him, I'm like, man, that would be great. And then here we go. We, we ended up with Bain and Tillman. And you say a, a stellar job by this front office 
managing and, to get that kind of talent that late in the draft. And I was going to say real quick, I mean, he wasn't even projected to be drafted on, on most boards. I didn't even see him on on most boards. He kind of kind of popped up late, and I, I started hearing his name, and I kind of did some research, well, again, with the Michigan State and, and, and uh, Jared Jackson Jr. thing and the connection there. I kind of started doing some research, and like you, I kind of looked at these highlights. I was like, man, I think this guy could be good. Um, and again, it was weird because Bain and Tillman were two guys that I had kind of thought about for the Grizzlies, but I was like, man, they're probably where they're picking. They're not going to be able to live in. They only have one pick at that point, and you're thinking they're not going to be able to get either one of those guys where they are, and you, know, you go we end up getting both of them. Uh, was was kind of surreal to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't even projected on most boards. I mean, the NBA Draft.net didn't have him. I don't think Draft Express had him in the top 60. Uh, so, I mean, uh, again, they, I think they got a steal there. And I think a lot yeah. of people sleeping on him probably because of, just like you said, him being undersized. Yeah, they see 6'8", and they're like, oh, yo, he can't. I'm like, man, there, there have been plenty of guys that were undersized that played that 4 or 5 and played it well. So they, that was not a fear for me. At all, not with I mean, him. I was gonna say, you see, what, what happened with Draymond Green? I mean, he's mm-hmm. another guy that slipped because of because of that. And you see the kind of career he's had. So it, it, there are guys that that are undersized that that end up being that can that can play uh, for sure. And I think a lot of times those guys kind of get overlooked. Yep. Uh, most surprising for me, actually, this is the only duplicate that I had. DeAnthony Melton. Um, you know, heading into the season, shooting was a big concern. And I think that you know, we discussed this before yeah. uh, as far as playing time between him and Grayson. And, you know, here he is, 47% from the field, 42% from three. And he, he's shooting four attempts a game with confidence. You know, he's walking into them. No, no hesitation. No, you know, he just letting it fly. And they're falling for him. I... Man, I was completely surprised. I had a conversation with uh, with Joe from Grizzly Bear Blues, you know, not like face-to-face, but across Twitter. Yeah. We were talking about this and the contract with him. I'm like, man, he's not knocking down threes consistently. Are you really going to give him that much money if he's not shooting the ball that well from three? And, you know, Joe brought up Marcus Smart because actually I, I think I was the first one that mentioned Marcus Smart. But he said, go back and look at Marcus Smart's number when he, numbers when he first came in the league and look at them now. And Smart came in the league not shooting the ball that well, and he, he improved as, as time has gone on. And you look at where he was to where he is now in re- regards to DeAnthony Melton, and if he can continue shooting the three like this, I think you almost got to get this guy in the starting lineup, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I was right on there with you. I saw you kind of look at some of the projections over the summer. I think John Hodger had him projected at about 14 million per. You saw anywhere between 10 and 14. I was like, man, it's you got to look at the way Grayson played in the bubble. He's knocking shots down. I mean, I was like, you, you got Josh Jackson out there that you could resign possibly. I'm like, do you really want to pay this guy 10 to 14 million dollars uh, with him kind of being a bit of a one way player? And I was like, in He's coming to the season, like you said, 42% on four attempts a game. And, and he's not just – these are not just like threes here and there. He's coming down looking for the three, and he's hit some big shots uh, for this team. And I feel good every time he puts it up. I mean, he's pretty consistent, uh, from, not just from the, from the corner. He knocks him down from the corner, top of the key. And if he's shooting the basketball like that and playing the type of defense he's playing, again, like I said, I agree with you. I think you might have to consider getting him in the starting lineup. I think his shooting ability was kind of – the reason why you didn't have him in there, you wanted to get Grayson or, 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 or a guy like that in there. But with him shooting basketball like that and him playing defense, I think 
it might be time to look at getting him in the starting lineup for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, Dylan at the three, was it you that broke that? Somebody was talking about uh, whenever Kyle and Dylan go from like when they switch positions. So when, when Dylan goes from the two to the three, there's a, about a four points per game and his percentages are significantly better when he's yeah. playing the three as opposed to the two. And then Kyle was the same way. When he goes from the three to the four, his numbers are better. I thought that was you that was talking about that, but man, I can't, I can't remember. I remember, I don't think it was, I remember reading that. I think, I think it was somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, I mean, that, that is, that is interesting to, to, to kind of look at. Uh, but, but I, I think I, from, from, I think I've noticed that even without even hearing what you just said, when you, when you said that, that kind of clicked to me. Yeah, they do. Dylan does seem to play better when he's at the three versus when he's at the two. Mm-hmm. Yep. He does. The numbers show it, man. So, I, you know, I, for me, I think you have Ja, Melton, Dylan, Kyle, and JV, obviously, until Jaron gets back. And then things get uh, get weird, man. <laughs> man, get weird. So, uh, most disappointed, is that something that you want to? I know you said you didn't really want to put that label on anybody on Twitter. And if you don't, that's perfectly fine. I understand. Yeah, man, it's it's tough. I'm not really disappointed in, in anybody. I think... A lot of people have said Brandon Clark. I saw a lot of people putting out their list, and I, I just don't really think he's disappointed. I mean, he's again, like I said, when you kind of look at his numbers, he's almost identical to what he put up last year. I know people kind of thought he'd take another step, but I mean, Brandon has been good at times. I mean, he, he started off the season struggling a little bit, but he's he's been good as of late. Um, he, he's had some big games. I'm not really disappointed in him. I'm trying to think of anybody else. I mean, most people I'm kind of more on the other side of the spectrum with him. I think everybody. I, you just gotta look at disappointing. I mean, I know you don't want people don't want to say job. I mean, some things that Josh shooting numbers have have gone down, but you definitely not gonna say he's the most disappointing. So I don't think I really have anybody for that category. All right, yeah, I understand, man. I I do, and it's not necessarily the the player, uh, but but the situation, and and it's Jaron Jackson Jr. for me. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, I know where you're going. You know, it, it's not because you know obviously Jaron hasn't played, but but that's it. That's where. You know, why Why has he not been on the floor? And I guess that kind of goes more toward the, you know, the front office, the coaching staff, than towards Jaron himself. But, but, you know, here we are, all-star break, and they're like, you know, Justice will be back first, and then Jaron shortly thereafter. And we just got Justice back right <laughs> before the break. And I'm like, what is going on here? So Yeah, you know, that, I, I don't really, know, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm, there, there's things that each player has done that I'm like, okay, you know, maybe we could see this do a little bit better. But overall, you and I are on the same page whenever it comes down to that. There's a lot of guys that are overachieving. I think you look at Brandon Clark. I, I saw a lot of people putting him too, and they're they're looking at percentages. I'm like, taking like look at context though. Brandon shoot more threes this year than yeah. what he shot last year. His percentages are not going to be as good. He's still, I think, above 50% from the field. And, you know, he was like 60-something last year, which is astronomical. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. You know, you're not going to get that. Up. that. Yeah, no. unless you're just not shooting the ball from outside the paint. But, you know, outside of the rusty start, he, he's been good. You know, I, I I don't know what people were looking for from no, him. Because to me, I'm happy with where Brandon is. What I, you know – 
would I love to see him make the jump from the the first year to the second year to be in a, an all star caliber guy? Yeah, you know that, that'd be fantastic, but that doesn't always happen. And you know the the level that he's playing at is uh is good enough for me for sure. Yeah, I mean for for they, where they drafted him at, even if he had gone higher than that, I think he's good for where great for where they got him at for for sure. And even a lot of people think he would have been drafted higher. I mean he's a a good player, uh, first round level talent. You get guys drafting a the lottery; they don't even do it half of what he's doing. So I'm not upset with with what Brandon's doing at all. I was just kind of surprised to see so many people picking him. I guess if you look at this team, I guess there's really not anybody. So I guess if you're just trying to find somebody, you kind of nitpicking numbers, like you said, percentages, and he might be a guy whose numbers are a little bit down. But I, I don't, I don't think he's disappointed at all. But to kind of go back to the to Jared thing, man, I don't know what's going on. I I just feel like Jared's fine, and I felt like. Justice was fine, and I think Justice could have come back a month ago, and I think did the exact same thing he's doing now. I I don't know what they're doing with these situations. I know they want to be extremely cautious, but I mean, you see Jared jumping around over there on the bench, and he's been doing this for months. And kind of when Clyman made those uh, uh, initial statements before the season started on the timeline, they kind of talked to Jared the next day, and he was kind of like, "I mean, I could go right now um, <laughs> if it was up to me." And here we are at the All Star break, and he's still not back. I, I don't know what to think of that. I mean, I guess they, they know what's going on. They know better than me, but I, I just get the sense that Jaron could be playing right now. And, and just like Justice, I think could have been playing before and I think he would have been fine, but who knows? Yeah. I was talking one of, with one of the other guys here at Hootball, um, Adam King about it. And he was talking to me about uh, DeAnthony Melton and, you know, a lot of fantasy, a lot of guys in fantasy circles are, are so frustrated with the Grizzlies because of DeAnthony Melton, because, you know, like, you know, he obviously he's a good real life basketball player, but, you know, his defensive stats and his percentages and everything that he brings to the table, you know, he, he's a, a good value guy in fantasy. And he's like, are the Grizzlies fans as frustrated as the fantasies, fantasy guys? I'm like, yeah, the, there's a fair number of people that are, are disappointed in, oh, yeah. you know, the, the way that, that Melton is playing. But, the thing that I keep going back to is developmental season. That that's been a term, and you know, it's one that I've used. But the the franchise, the front office, the coaching staff—you hear it's a developmental season. And so, I just maybe I'm just being optimistic and trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Of okay, they're doing this because they want to see what they have. Because let's be honest, when Jaron comes back. Barring any other injuries, when Jaron comes back, there's gonna be guys on this bench that deserve playing time that are not gonna get. I gotta it. get it, yeah, for sure. And, and so you know they they've got to determine somehow who's worth keeping and who they need to move on from, and and that's that is the only thing they're like, okay, we've got talent here and we've got guys that we need to decide moving forward. Are these guys gonna be a part of our core? Are these guys people that we can move on from? And let's see what we've got. So I, that's the only kind of that. That's kind of where my mindset is on it. They're looking at this talent. And they're trying to determine, okay, who's going to be here and who's going to be down the road. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that frustrated me even more with the the Jared and Justice situation because you need it when you bring those guys in. That kind of clear makes you shows you a clear picture of what you what you're going to need to do going forward. I mean, because those are two major pieces to this puzzle and without them it, it's kind of hard to determine down roster what else you need to do uh so justice is kind of 
in the mix now, and, and I think he's kind of shown that if he's healthy, I, I, I mean, he and he hasn't even scratched the surface. I don't think of what he's going to be for this team. If he's healthy, he's going to be a, a big piece for this team. And I think you kind of talked about this last time. Does that make Cal expendable? Can they get rid of another wing because he's going to be a, a major piece? And those are some questions that, that are going to be answered here going forward. I mean, you got the trade deadline coming up in, what, a little bit, uh, a little bit over two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, can you package one of those wings with uh, with, with, with Gorgie and, and, and see what you can get there? I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I think Winslow being in the mix, I do think, opens that question up even more. If Winslow wasn't there, I don't think there's any way. If you hadn't seen Winslow could play, uh, I don't think there's any way you'd move Kyle. But I, I think now you kind of have to look at the question, do you sell high on Kyle with the way he's playing? I don't think his value is going to ever be any higher than it is right now. I mean, you, you want to say that he's going to come down off this high, but I think it's been a, enough season now. He hasn't, hasn't yeah. come down. I think this might be him. Maybe it was just the shoulder injury. He's talked about him really. He wasn't really healthy every last year that he really struggling with the shoulder injury. Maybe this is what he looks like when he's healthy. Maybe because he, he struggled with shoulder injury. I think even, even going back to San Antonio, he's kind of had some shoulder problems going back to college. So maybe he was just never really healthy, and this is what he looks like. But um, I think if if you're going to move him, I think this would be the time and having justice in there with this team, I think, shows that maybe he is a guy that you could move. Yeah, and, you know, it's not a – when I mentioned that before, like the list of guys that I want are I, – I can't even tell you that there's anybody on this team that I want to move. There's guys – No. Like, uh, Gorgie is, is more than likely going to get moved just because of the value of the expiring contract. contract. Yeah, you just can't let that, let that go ready. without getting value for it. Like – at any time that he's been on the floor, he's been ready. He's been producing. So, you know, he's going to go somewhere and hopefully get some playing time and produce for somebody. But, you know, even with what you've seen from him, is that enough that, okay, you know, JV is a guy that's going to bring, you know, maybe you can get a bigger return and he doesn't meet that timeline. And I'm not saying like, I know, you can look at the games that the Grizzlies lost when JV was out and see what kind of value he brings to this team. But, you know, which parts is this front office? Like, what are they looking at and who's off limits and who's not? And to me, who's off limits, that list is very, very, very short. You know, there there's 10 guys on this roster that you can move and it's not going to be my favorite thing. But if you're getting value in return, it, it's understandable. Yeah, I think if you kind of look back o- 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 over this franchise history since they've been in Memphis, I think this team, I think I, I like almost everybody on this roster, and that's not usually the case. Uh, like you said, I mean, very short list of untouchable guys, but I think the guys on this team, it just seems like all these guys bring a uniqueness to the team. They do something different. Their personalities just seem to be work well together, and I think if any of these guys get traded, I'm not going to necessarily be happy about it, but I mean, they have they have some decisions to make, especially with all these wing players. I think they need to consolidate the roster. But you got Ja, you got Jaron. I think you got Winslow as a major piece if he can stay healthy. Um, and kind of outside of that, I think you can. I think anybody's uh, up up for discussion uh, because you just gotta. I think they again they have so many. I've, and I've talked about this before. They have a lot of good role players, but I mm-hmm. think you need to consolidate that into a uh, 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 one guy on the wing or one or two guys that are big-time players. I think it's kind of – because I think that's what's kind of stopping them from taking that next step is that they depend on a lot of role players, and sometimes those guys are going to let you down. They're all not going to have 
big nights on the same night. Sometimes guys are going to go through cold streaks. I think they need a more consistent score on the wing, and they just have a lot of guys that they depend on to kind of make up that one guy. And I think that's kind of what's holding them back from being in that next tier of teams right now. Uh, but, again, man, I, I think it's going to be exciting. The, the trade deadline's coming up, and it, it could be – I put a poll out on Twitter the other day. I said, do you, you think they'd make a, a small move of Gorgie, basically Gorgie for whatever you can get? You just you know you have to move that contract, and can you get a second-round pick? Could you get a late first, whatever you could get for him? Uh, would they make a media move would be kind of like we've discussed here, maybe Gorgie and Kyle or Gorgie and Al, Grayson Allen, something like that, and make a media move, or would they make a big move, or would they make nothing, do nothing? And I think a uh, medium-sized move was what won slightly over uh, a, a small move of Gorgie. Gorgie plus um, a, a player or, or something like that, I think, was what won out. And, I mean, I think you could see something like that. I mean, I kind of – and then I'm sure we're going to touch on this a minute. I kind of looked, and I don't know what you what you would be looking at. It's just – so because I think it would be – I think you're probably going to end up seeing something maybe part of a, a three-team deal, a facilitator. And when you kind of get into that, I mean, there's so – many possibilities out there. What could end up happening? It's just hard to even speculate on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you're right. This it's great that we're kind of going down this path because I wanted to touch on this. You know, you're talking about the, the medium size move. So if the Grizzlies could package Gorgie, Kyle, Grayson, Dylan, whoever in, in a package deal for, okay, we're going to go out and, you know, um, a legitimate wing score is what we need. Who who is that for you? Like, what would that trade yeah, look tough. like for you? It's it's tough. I mean, because I, like I said, I scoured the the the, the I got on jumped on the trade machine. It's only about a couple of hours trying to trying to find something that makes sense because it, it's hard with this team because you don't know exactly where their mindset is. How how much would you be willing to do something that is for now, like, who is the guy that makes the most sense long-term for you? Because I don't think they want to do anything that's a, a now move. I think you want to look long-term. So it, it's, I couldn't really come up with anything when you're trying to look at salaries and, and who that guy would be and who the other team would be willing to come co- to give up for, for a package like that. It's, I couldn't really come up with anybody um, outside of you making a, a bigger move. Um, like, and I have a, a trade for that. But as far as the medium-sized move, I don't – I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just one of those situations where you you, you do these trade machine deals and then trade that like that kind of comes and they they make a move and you're like I didn't even even consider that to be an option and said so part of a two or three team trade and something just materializes and and you're like oh that makes sense but I couldn't really come up with anything on on, on a medium sized trade. So so who's your big move? Who's the you said you got something on the big move? What's your what's yeah your man? Big move? Um, yeah man. I I don't know if the Bulls would go for this. Uh, but and we've kind of talked about this. I'm not for them. Like we talked about Bradley Bill and the people keep mm-hmm. build build on Bill and I, that sounds great. But we've kind of talked about the reason why I don't think that's a would be a good decision for this team right now. But I think Zach Levine uh, is a guy who has been rumored to to possibly be on the market. Now, the Bulls are in a playoff hunt, so who knows if they actually move him. I heard uh, Daryl Morey in Philadelphia is talking about possibly making a move for him, but this is just a hypothetical. And I had Dean Brooks, uh, Dean DB, Brandon Clark, uh, the Utah pick, and the Golden State pick to Chicago for Zach Levine and Thomas Sanorowski. Um And I think Levine is the guy that – he's 25 years old. I mean, he's averaging 28 points a game right now. I mean, shooting the basketball really well. I think – 
he's young. I think he kind of fits that timeline. I think he fits in really well with uh, Ja and Jared and along with Justice Winslow. And I think he's would take this team to another level. And I think he's at an age of where he can grow with this core. And I think it makes a lot more sense than, than Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill's a little bit older uh, than, than Zach Levine. And I don't think he puts you over the top right now. And I think it would probably even take more than that to get Bill. Um, I think they're, uh, I mean, it's going to take a lot to get any of these type of guys, but if Chicago would do something like that, I would, with Levine, I think I'd be interested, but I don't, I don't even, I don't think they would really do that. But if they would, that would be definitely something along those, those lines. I think I'd be willing to give up for Levine. All right. So running, you said Gorgie, DB and Brandon Clark, and then the yeah, two first. Yeah. For, for Levine and just the Sadoransky, just the, the kind of Matt salary that was the guy yeah. that, that kind of fit in there. And that's, you know, the, the thing is to make a move to get a guy like what we're talking about, it's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah, gonna it's going to hurt. You're going to give up some guys. If you're if you're going after uh, a Bill or Levine or, or Buddy Hield, if you're going after one of those guys, you're going to have to give up something that hurts a little bit. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I hate giving up Dylan, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I see what he he brings to the team. I'm not completely opposed. Like he's not an untouchable for me, but like the antagonist part of him and like getting under the skin. Yeah, I, I of love the other that. players. Like that's something that doesn't. You don't always like that's not going to show up on the paper. But you need a guy like that on your team to win a championship. You know, you Golden State Draymond Green was that guy. Yeah. You know, and you got. Uh, whichever one of the Morris brothers that was with is in Los Angeles for the Lakers last year, you know, you go back and you look at the list of past champions. They've got somebody on that team that isn't necessarily the best player, maybe not even the third or fourth best player on the team, but they play that type of role and you need somebody like that. Um, I, I, mean, I, you take, I was going to say, you take it, take it way back to pity me of that guys, Dennis Rodman with the bulls. just a guy yeah, like that. Just not, not your, Second, second, third, just a guy that just does the the dirty things. Kind of people take a, a crazy guy. I mean, Grizzlies didn't ever win the championship, but Tony Allen was just kind of that guy. You need those type of guys on on that level of team. And I, I wish they could get that their weakest score and still keep Dylan Brooks and have him as the guy off the bench because I think that would be his perfect role. But I think it's going to be hard to do if they make any kind of move like that. Uh, I think you think it's going to cost you Dylan and probably probably Brandon Clark. Those are kind of the two guys that that they could kind of move. That that would would kind of move the needle for some teams that they might actually take a look at, but I would really hate to lose DB, but I, I think think you probably have to in a deal like that. Yeah, for me, I I didn't swing quite as high as you did. I you know I didn't go for a Hill, Levine, or Bill. I, I and and I sent this one to you. Victor Oladipo is yeah. a guy that that's going to be available. You know, he says he wants to be in Miami. The Rockets have said we're not interested in moving players to get at, uh, you know get assets because we're not doing the whole process thing. But, you know, how much of that is smoke and mirrors? I think that if the right price comes along, that they would be willing to move him, you know, and Gorgie, Grayson Allen, and the the Utah first and the Golden State first, I think would land him. But if I'm the Grizzlies, I want, um, you know, okay, we're going to do an extension. I don't want to give up these assets. And then, and then walk you walk. Next year, yeah. You know, because it's like in the short term, get bringing him in is not going to win them a championship this year. But if you sign him, 
and there, there's health concerns with him. I understand that. I just look contract wise. You know, you get a guy Levine, Bill. Those guys yeah, are going to give up a pay. lot, a yeah. lot of your salary, and then you know you still got to pay John Jaron. And when you're paying those three guys, then what are you going to have around them? And so that that's that's kind of why I lean toward Oladipo, just because I, I think that they can get him in there, talk to him, you know, the contract negotiation, get him on a, a, a decent contract that's not going to be as pricey as those other guys, and still be able to put a team in there with him, and it not just be three guys and then a bunch of scrubs, and you just hope that you strike gold. Yeah, his injury history is what. It kind of scares me with that, but I mean that's the reason why he's not going to cost as much as a guy like Lavina Bill, uh, because of his entry history. And and when you're in a small market, those are the kind of things that you have to do. Uh, you have to take those kind of kind of chances when you can, because a guy that's been injured. But if he doesn't, if if, if he stays relatively injury free here, you've struck gold uh, with a guy like Oladipo, and you might be able to get him. And that that's the just kind of things we. Saw back when his team took a chance on Zach Randolph. When when you're a small market team, sometimes you have to take chances that might not be clear cut. Like you think, oh well, you get a Levine or Bill, we know what they're going to be as long as they stay healthy. Um, you yeah. might have to try to catch lightning in the bottle with a guy like Oladipo because if he stays healthy, he might be able to be that that all star level player for you. And it, it, that might be what you need to do in a small market. It just just kind of scares me the injury history. But looking at Houston and, and to go back to what you said, they said that they're not really interested. The way they're salary sheet is set up. They need to be interested in getting rid of some salary. I don't know yeah. what they're I mean, looking yeah. at doing going forward. But John Wallace is going to kill them for the next oh, few yeah. years. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how they, they're they going to even operate that. They got to make some moves to free up some money. Yep. And that's, you know, getting, getting Gorgie, moving Oladipo, getting Gorgie, you got that expiring there. And then they're, you know, I mean, he's already turned down uh, an extension in Houston so it doesn't look like he wants to be there. He's not interested in going through a rebuild. I think he wants to be someone that's going to be competitive. And you look at the this Grizzlies team and what they've been doing, you know, they're going to be competitive. And, you know, if he signs a, what you know, four or five-year deal, you know, in inside that deal, the Grizzlies are going to be in there. They're going to be competitive. And I, I think – did, did I talk to you about, I can't remember if it was you or Sam, there was a guy that uh, he, he's a beat writer for the Pelicans and he wrote an article about evaluating talent and he went yeah, back. I saw, I saw of, an article. Yeah. yeah. Man, you know, that was great. That was, you know, I, I think that so far this front office is doing a really good job and, you know, we, we don't know how much they're valuing their guys exactly, but they signed a couple contracts with climbing in place here and they still got the Grizzlies in a really good spot. So it's, you know, so far so good from the, from, from those guys. And I hope that they can make, you know, do I expect them to make a big move? Do I think that, you know, the Grizzlies are going to end up with Levine or Oladipo after the trade deadline or are, you know, even another big name wing scorer, No, I, I don't expect it to happen. But like you said, there's so many other, like the, the medium deals, man, you know, you get into three team, four team trades where a lot of pieces, parts are moving. You never really know what's going to happen. And I wanted to talk about like a, a small to medium sized deal with something like that. But man, you get in there and mess around. Like you say, you you could spend a ton of time and not yeah. really come up with anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look back. It, it's tough. I was just trying to think something that made sense for both teams. And a lot of things I came up with might have made sense for the Grizzlies, didn't make sense for the other team, and vice versa. Like, I mean, these things just pop up out of nowhere. Like the, the Dylan Brooks, they were they thought it was Marjorie Brooks and the Kelly Oubre thing. The thing just kind of came out of it, nowhere. You wouldn't even probably wouldn't even thought of that as a possibility. You just never know what kind of happens. Just like the Justice Winslow thing was something that just kind of came out of nowhere. You get a lot of moving parts and sometimes teams will in these, these bigger deals, you'll get a guy that you might think that maybe you probably couldn't get this guy for these two guys. If it's a, a, a one-on-one trade, but if you get in a three team trade, they need to move something for another reason and they need to clear some money and they'll like, we'll do this and that. I mean, you just never know. Uh, you just see some of these crazy things sometimes go down on, on deadline day. But I, I'm like you, I think I'd be surprised if they made a, a big move. I don't, I don't think they'll end up with their wing score. I think they're, I don't know if they're ready to kind of make that move. I think they want to do some more evaluating and see what happens when Jaron comes back. But I think this summer and, and this the off season following that I think it's kind of when, when they're going to make their move. I think they'll probably have a, another decent first round pick this year. Uh, if it's not in the lottery, I think it'll be mid first round. And I, I trust this front office to, to, to find another guy. Cause I mean, they've done such a good job so far. So I think they'll be good there, but, it's going to be interesting. I mean, that's going to be the talk over the next couple of weeks. I could possibly see them again, see them doing like a medium-sized thing, but I have no idea who who that would be or what could materialize in, in terms of that. Yeah. For me, I, I kind of hope that they don't bring in another wing at this point. I want to see down the stretch the guys that are playing right now, what they're going to bring to the table. You know, as Desmond Bain continues to develop and improve his game, and Melton, Grayson Allen, when he comes back out of this concussion protocol, you know, I, I want to see how John ja Justice play together. You know, we, we, we've got to watch that in a small sample size, but there's a lot of these guys that are coming in and, you know, I want everybody to be healthy and see what meshes and what doesn't. And then you'll really get a good idea by the end of the season of, okay, this is what we need to target. And, Man, who who even knows what they're who they're going to target in this draft right now? Because you got so many quality wing guys. Yeah, I know, know. That, that's that, the that's, thing. It's they need to know. They they need to find out, and that's what it's. It may come to a point where it's tough as a Grizzlies fan to watch this because it's like, man, if they'd have freaking made that trade, you know. Yeah. And I hate the the trade rumors that come up of, oh, well, you know, we were close to whole Danny Ainge. We were close on three or four different players. <laughs> yeah. No, you weren't. Just shut no. up. Like, I don't want to hear about that. Like, every just, year, man. You hear that with Danny Ainge every year. All, all these assets, and they just never, never do mm-hmm. anything. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. But again, and that's another reason why it was kind of hard for me to come up with anything. Because if you move, like you said, package Gorgie with a wing and you bring in another wing, you kind of have the, the same issue. You try to get away from that issue and, you got to bring another guy in here mid-season, or, or not even mid-season, later in the season. And you're trying to work him in if he's a, a rotation-level player. I mean, it's I, I, it, this roster is just full right now. Even when I'm doing draft draft preparation and looking at guys in the draft, what position do you draft? I mean, you're not going to look at a point guard when you got John Morant, Tyus. I mean, you got all these wing guys, and if you're not at the top of the draft looking at a, a Jonathan Kaminga or Jalen Green or something like that, a guy that you think could come in and supplant one of these guys. You get a middle round wing. These guys are probably not going to come in and be better than some of the guys you have on the roster. And center, you got JV, you got Tillman, so you're not really looking at a center. And then Jaron coming back, and you got Kyle and and Justice who could also play some four. I mean, 
you just there's really no minutes for another young guy. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, but they got some, I think, some decisions to make. But again, I in that vein, I trust them. I, the, I, the injury stuff is kind of weird for me, and just kind of how they're thinking. One hundred, I feel like they're thinking about ninety percent long term, and that kind of irks me a little bit at times with kind of how they handle some things. But when it comes to talent evaluation and drafting and making those kind of decisions, like you said, so far so good. And I think I kind of trust them right now in that department. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you, man. I'm I'm not as sold on the center thing as you. Cause I, you know, not that JV is old by any stretch, but I just don't feel like he fits the window. And so, you know, if, if there's a, uh, if there's a big out there where they're drafting, that's a uh, got some pretty good upside. And I like Tillman, this is not a, a slide on him at all. But, you know, if there's a big out there, whenever they, you know, if it's a big that's best available, let it rip, man. That, you know, the guy might not come in and, and get much playing time in the first year. You know, maybe you send him down to the G League and and let him play, you know, his first year down there. And then, you know, at that point, you're looking at, at JV. His contract is a, a little bit easier to move if you're at that point. But, yeah, th- there's a lot of talent on this roster and a lot of places that, in the past have been a, a huge gaping hole for the Grizzlies. That's just not right now. So I think that this draft is going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm more excited about this one, even, you know, like I don't expect them to get a high draft pick, but I'm, I'm a lot more excited about this draft just because I have no idea which way it's going to go. Like, you know, heading into last year's draft. Okay. You know that you need a wing. They're going to be looking yeah, for a wing for sure. And then, you know, this year, middle of the first round, are they really going to be looking for wings? What are they looking for? And and that's, you know, trade deadline, everything, you know, as this season plays out, we'll see. I'm not going to keep you on here any longer, man. We're, we're like over an oh, hour man. into this, dude. Oh, man, it's, I'm good. Yeah, uh, I, I, could, I could go on all night. I don't want <laughs> to run a two-hour podcast here. But, man, as always, I appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can find you, and then we'll get out of here. Real, real quick, man, I want to throw this in there. I got it. I – really like in his rap, and I, I don't know where he fits on his team right now. He probably doesn't, but I think at this point, if they have the same roster, similar, I think you just take the best talent. But Greg Brown out of Texas, he plays power forward in Texas, but he's only 6'9", 205, but he's extremely long, athletic, uh, has shown the ability to step out and knock down threes. I think he has he's a shot blocker. I, I really like him. I don't know where he would fit in his team at 6'9", 205, unless he puts on some weight. He's probably more of a wing I think in the NBA uh, or a stretch four, but I really like him. And that's a guy that I would look at again. I don't know where he fits, but I think you might be looking at BPA uh, with this team on, on this roster. Just take a guy that you think is talented and, and, and see what happens. But uh, yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. Always on there, man, talking Grizz, talking Tigers, talking sports in general, or whatever else might be on my mind, man. So go over there and follow me. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm best player available it's a good problem to have, to have all this talent, you know, take the best player that's there and then figure it out. You know, like it, when, when you have a lot of talent and especially when they're young guys, if you can see that someone's not going to work with the chemistry of the team or not going to work with the, you know, the idea of what you want, then you can move those guys. And if you're taking, you know, if you're drafting specifically for, I have to have this and you take somebody that, you know, maybe you reach on a guy I think a lot of times you see that by teams. And, and so I hope that they continue to go, go kind of best player available. And, and I like Greg Brown as well. That That's uh, it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait to start. You know, I, I've been kind of reading and, and doing a little bit of draft prep at this point. 
And, you know, the thing, I'm probably not going to have near as much time this year as what I did last year to dig in. So I've got to start earlier, but it, it's going to be uh, going to be a fun ride for sure. So, Isaac, thanks again for coming on. Guys, stay tuned. Sam is coming on right after this, and we will let you know what he thinks on his midseason awards. All right, Sammy B, let me give you the rundown of how we're doing this. They already know what Isaac and I think, so we want your input on it. We done mid-season, mid-season awards for the Grizzlies roster. I want to know who your MVP is, your defensive player of the first half, sixth man, most improved, most surprising, and last but certainly not least, most disappointing that one's on the easy. roster. <laughs> that one's easy. The, the most disappointing <laughs> is easy. That one's easy. All right. So go ahead, man. Fire it away. Let's see. Number one, let's start off your MVP for the Grizzlies so far this season. Who is it and why? Ja Morant. And the reason is because, well, I would say it because it's Ja Morant and that's not the answer you want. But, no, he is legitly Ja from last year, Ja to this year, best player on the team. Plain and simple. His, I mean, he is the, I wouldn't say he's the glue that holds everything together because that's more of like Dylan technically, but Ja is just the engine that gets it going and then it's going and then crazy things happen. I mean, it's Ja Moran. I know I shouldn't say that, but it, it is. That's all yeah. I have to say. No, no, no. You're good, man. He's definitely, uh, definitely taken uh, another step the last two games before the All-Star break. Just shows you what he's capable of. So that that's a, uh, I don't think on any of these, with the exception of maybe defensive player of the year, I don't think that – and sixth man because he's never coming off of the bench. But, no. <laughs> you know, Ja Moran is a good answer on almost anything whenever you're talking about good for the Grizzlies. All right, Ja Moran is your MVP. Let's go defensive player of the year so far, Sam. This one's tough. This this one's tough. I, I'm going to have to go with Dylan. Dylan there? Dylan. Okay. Because well, we've talked about it a bunch. He mm-hmm. play he, when he plays. He guards the best player on well position wise. Like he's not out, like I've said it before. He's not out there guarding Jokic. You know, hundred percent of the time. Yeah, he's not going to guard the five. He, he he did the, in the Bucks matchup. He, he guard, did guard Giannis. Yes, he did. Yes, Giannis he did. plays the four. He guarded Giannis. So I mean, one through four. He is not scared to go out there and guard the best player on the floor. Heavens no. He wants that challenge. Because it's Dylan Brooks. That that uh, that one that one was hard because it was either Dylan or Kyle, but I am going Dylan. So. Okay. I can dig it, man. Sixth man. That one's not too hard for me. DeAnthony Melton, Mr. Do Something. I still am on the side of I don't know that he needs to be a sixth man, though. Well, fair enough. I, you know, but he is right now, but yeah, that's why is. I'm picking him, but yeah, good choice. All right. Most improved. I'm going justice Winslow reason behind. I know. I Mo- know. Most improved. Justice. most what? is most improved because he's playing now. He didn't get to play last year. He's playing now. I guess comparatively stats wise is what he done with the Grizzlies last year. He, I mean, he's a hundred percent better. I can tell you that. <laughs> All of his numbers are better. Absolutely, okay. and it's. I mean, he's playing. He's looking good. He's getting some minutes. I, that's who I'm picking right now. Okay, 
All right, man. That's you know he is looking better and better each game. So let's move on from Justice Winslow is most improved. Little weird, little weird, but I, I understand it. I win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Most surprising, most surprising player so far this year for the Grizzlies coming from Sammy B. Who you got? I had a couple, but I'm gonna go with this one. It's Dylan Brooks, and the reason it's Dylan. He's actually passing the ball a little bit more. Now, this isn't like an outstanding, oh, my God, Dylan, with the assist. But he's averaging almost almost an assist more. Per game. He's at 2.6. This mm-hmm. That's not a bunch, but he is – we've seen some games where he's had seven assists. Yeah. He's that, pass, He's being more of a play – you know, the playmaker, you know, dishing it out. I, I like – he's more of a team player. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. And that was – Along the lines of what you're saying is exactly why I picked him for most improved. It's easy to look at this roster and see what Kyle Anderson is doing and see the the improvements, the leaps that he's made from last year to this year, shooting a three, being the the great utility guy that he is for the Grizzlies. It's super easy to look at that and be like, okay, Kyle Anderson's most improved. But I went with Dylan Brooks for that exact reason that you're talking about. This he is making one of the biggest flaws in his game is decision making. Vision is not something like there's certain things that you can work on, but either a player's gonna have it or not. And there's still times when Dylan makes mistakes, but he's getting much better at it. So I like it. DB getting defensive player of the year and most surprising. And last but not least. Certainly not least. Go ahead, Sam. Most disappointing is Jaron Jackson Jr. He hadn't played yet. Oh, my God. Play this man. I know we've gone on and on and on about it, but play the man. I know he's he's getting back into shape. I get it, but, man, I was really expecting him to be back by now. Same, man. I would have never guessed. From a meniscus. If you, if you had told me after the draft that Killian Tilly would see the floor this season before Jaron Jackson Jr., I would have laughed in your face. I would have too. I really figured Jaron would have been back, gosh, latest of late January, you know. It yeah, just but- I want him to be careful. I want him to be healthy. Don't want him to come back and get hurt again and and be dealing with, you know, Porzingis came back and then he's been off and on missing games. And I don't want to see that. If he doesn't play back-to-backs because they're managing it, fine, so be it. I can live with that, but I don't want to see him come in, play, and then miss a week because something's sore. I want it to be ready. Yuck. So that's it. You've got the mid-season awards from us here at Hoopbogger. Is Isaac Isaac came on board? He let you know what he thought. I let you know what I thought. Sammy B wrapping us up here. We're gonna get out of here. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at Grizz. I am at Dwell two one one one. Isaac is Isaac underscore rivals. Sam is. It is Sammy B eleven eighteen. That is a capital S lowercase A M M Y capital B one 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 eight. We are 
just about to start the second half of the season. Cannot wait to see how it goes down. Going to be a fun offseason as well. Trade deadline's coming up. Lots of fireworks coming, I think. Hopefully not that many for the Grizzlies. We'll see. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next time, go Grizz. Go Grizz. Diego. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.